Hey, Will, like I normally do, I just want to take a moment to tell our listeners to make sure they hit us up on social, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, wherever you might see us. Make sure you're sending us something. Also, you can email us directly at AppalachiaMeetsWorld at gmail.com. If you get a moment, shoot us a line, give us some feedback. Yeah, and wherever you listen to the podcast, make sure you subscribe to Appalachia Meets World. It just helps our podcast, but it also helps you know when we're releasing a new episode. As long as your mindset is, hey, we're going to be a church of these 40 people and, you know, we're just going to have church until we we die. Maybe we have kids and they come to church here. (laughs) You know, that was never the mindset of the early church. Appalachia Meets World, a podcast about place and perspective, but always Appalachian. And don't forget, Will, tonight's episode is powered by SOAR. Shaping our Appalachian region. If you're an entrepreneur out there, especially in Eastern Kentucky, check them out. Yeah. Appalachia meets world. We're back another week. It's Will. And Neil, what's happening? A follow-up to Faith in Appalachia. Yeah, man. I thought last week's episode was great. Right on point. We uh, talked about all the things you're not supposed to talk about. And, and then we liked it so much, we're coming back and doing it again. Yeah, just a little different perspective this week. Maybe focus a little bit more on the church but, but and what you can do outside the church. But also there's a summit that happened this week. It's called Together for the Mountains, which we'll talk about when we get into the episode. I'm glad to be back and getting in the swing of things. And I'm glad I live in the mountains all the time. And uh, I was just wondering if you had any Appalachian mountain news for me. Man, just getting right into it today, huh? Right right into yes, the news. I do have a little bit, just a couple of items. I want to keep this quick because I want to mention something towards the end of the app news section. So the ARC just announced this week four Arise grants totaling right around $34 million. These Arise Woo! grants would go towards accelerating gr- green textile manufacturing and green technology those grants were for 10 million dollars to the industrial commons in morgantown north carolina to construct a 40,000 square foot upcycling textile manufacturing hub and another 10 million dollars to the tennessee technological university in cookville tennessee to help rural electric utilities and energy startups deploy smart grid technologies so those are two of the grants the other two grants from the arise program that we've spoken about before one was to catalyst connection in Pittsburgh, pa that will help 1000 plus small to medium manufacturings expand or enter green and clean energy technology sectors and another $4.5 million to the Northern Tier Regional Planning and Development Commission in Tawanda, Pennsylvania, to prepare and train an estimated 3,400 students and young adults in Pennsylvania and New York for jobs in emerging industries. So those are four grants that just were announced. I just wanted to mention those real quickly. Also, there is an RF, a request for proposals that's out. I want to mention this because the proposals are due November 14th, but it's for 
drinking water and wastewater infrastructure in Appalachia. I know that's kind of boring and I probably shouldn't mention it, but it's really important to the Appalachian region. They're looking for any qualified researchers and consultants to submit proposals to assess the needs and gaps in water and wastewater infrastructure in the Appalachian region, which is really important for the region. may sound really boring, but it's really important. The, the due date on that is November 15th. Oh, I was just going to say, I know it's really boring, Will, but glad you mentioned it. There may be somebody listening that needed that news and they can uh, get involved and, and help the region in, in that capacity. The last bit of news is some sad news that I wanted to mention that happened this week. Loyal Jones passed away. You've heard us reference him before on this show. Not necessarily him, but the Loyal Jones Center in Berea, at Berea College. The Appalachian Center there was renamed the Loyal Jones Center for all the work that he did. But Loyal Jones, just a little bit of background, was born in 1928 in western North Carolina. He went to Berea College and graduated the master's from UNC in, in 1961 and then served as director of the Berea Appalachian Center from 1970 to 1993, where, like I mentioned, they named it in 2008 the Loyal Jones Appalachian Center, primarily for all the contributions and work he did for the region, but he was also just as passionate for the region and its people. So we wanted to dedicate this show to Loyal Jones. I know we have never done that before, but he was really well-respected expert on the region that contributed a great deal to Appalachian studies, to the Appalachian region itself. Ron Eller, who we've had on the show, who was the former director of the Appalachian Center at UK, said of Jones that his message has been that Appalachia should be judged by its own values, family, land, and traditionalism, rather than mainstream values of accumulation, wealth, and power. Jones, he authored at least a dozen books, and this message that Ron Eller pointed to, the the family, land, and traditionalism, it's preached loudly, I wanted to mention, in his book, that he published in 1999, Faith and Meaning in the Southern Uplands, where he also responds to mainstream misunderstandings of religious life in the mountains. So it's something that he understood, that he wrote about, just the faith in the mountains of how, you know, we talk about misconceptions all the time, of how the Appalachian region is really misunderstood when it comes to faith and religion in the mountains. And so I wanted to, like I said, we wanted to dedicate this episode to Loyal Jones, a great contributor to the region. And really it gets us into what we're going to be talking about today with Mr. Jared Arnett. Yeah, Will, I'm glad you mentioned that. What a great Appalachian Mr. Jones was. I'm glad to and happy to dedicate this episode to, in his memory. And I'm also looking forward to getting into this conversation with, with Jared. So unless you got something else, man, let's get to it. All right, let's do it.
On the episode today, we have a special guest, Mr. Jared Arnett, a native of Eastern Kentucky and an Appalachian optimist. He's a husband, a father, an economic and community developer, a pastor and co-founder of Mountain Music Exchange, uh, as well as founding pastor of New Beginnings Fellowship Church, a non-denominational church in Pikeville, Kentucky, as well as Faith Ministries and Faith Ministries Market and Together for the Mountains, a church planning network in partnership with Southland Christian Church. As an entrepreneur, he claims he's never had a job that existed before he took it. Thanks for uh, being on the episode. We really appreciate it. Hey, happy to be here. Thanks for having me. As most Appalachians are big on history, big on tradition, Neil and I, our family's big on tradition as well. We have appetizers at the holidays, like this gigantic spread of appetizers, bigger than the meal. So we wanted to ask you, Jared, do you have a favorite appetizer or just holiday dish? Oh, man, holiday dish or appetizer? I don't know. I th- I'll say my favorite Appalachian kind of kind of food is pickled corn. I'm a pretty big fan of Oh, yeah, you make, it, make it yourself. Yeah, well, my papa always made it growing up in a five-gallon bucket with a rock and a plate on the top. You part the mold or whatever on top to get down into it. You can't get more Appalachian than that. That was the real deal. <laughs> I love it. First time we've ever had that answer, Will. Yeah, we've never had, <laughs> never had pickle corn. Jared, now that we have that question out of the way, we really wanted to dive right into faith in Appalachia. We've had a couple episodes on faith in Appalachia and kind of the history and the importance of faith on the region. You know, religion or faith in Appalachia, it's not just about going to church. It's really a part of Appalachian history. It's embedded in the fabric of our kind of cultural identity, who we are, how we raise our families, and guides our thoughts, and sometimes even our, our policies. I wanted to mention even the Foxfire collection of books, the Appalachian history books on how the past kind of illuminates the present. It's built around three basic principles, faith, family, and land. That being said, how, how do you think faith is different in Appalachia, different in the mountains? Oh, man. Well, you know, kind of known as where we grew up as the Bible Belt. So there's, um, you know, you, you, you heard about it from the time you were you were growing up. I mean, from the time you were born, really, you most people have known or heard of Jesus or church or some experience and maybe more church than Jesus. <laughs> at times. And so I think that's uh, it, I think it's got a lot of positives. And honestly, I think there's probably some drawbacks of being so immersed into it is that you don't always understand that there's another option, another perspective. And so sometimes you feel like you don't know if you chose it or not. You know, I think that's you find a lot of people here that struggle with that. And it's definitely a part of our DNA and part of, you know, culture and family and and everybody's story is a little bit different. And and I think those things. But we also have partners and churches working in places in like in Jackson County, out in rural parts of or Breathitt County uh, outside of Jackson, where they, they moved into an old church that had been vacant for several years and started doing some outreach and ministry and found, you know, 90 percent of the kids They'd heard of the name of Jesus, but had no idea any of the stories or anything about him. So it's it's definitely a, a balance, and sometimes some some sometimes surprising. Uh, kind of to that point, and you kind of alluded to it. I think one of the misconceptions about Appalachia, when people think about faith, think about religion, they automatically just assume white evangelicals. 
Right, um, right. You know, there's a lot of diversity in Appalachia, even within religions themselves. Religions tend to evolve over yeah. time. There's diversity like Christianity, Judaism, Islam, et cetera, et cetera, throughout right. Appalachia. Your church even is non-denominational. Do you see right. diversity and do you think faith in Appalachia has kind of evolved? Yeah, I think for sure. And I think, uh, you know, our church is non-denominational. We're a Christian church, but we got people that came from, uh, we obviously have new believers that are, you know, they didn't grow up. They're not connected to a church at all. We have people from backgrounds of, you know, Catholics, Baptists, Pentecostals, you know, kind of all the different denominations that kind of land, land in one place. And then you see institutions like the University of Pikeville, especially in our context, that bring in a lot of diversity in the hospital and uh, people from outside the region. And really early on in the, you know, in the, in the coal industry, they were uh, many times moving people into the region, uh, literally from New York when they would, you know, immigrants would get here and they would bring them into Eastern Kentucky. So there's more diversity than, than people would, would think. Although there's still, you know, I would say it's predominantly white, but there's more than you would anticipate. Yeah. Tell me a little, and our listeners a little background about, about you. How'd you get oh. to where you are today? So I grew up in Sayersville. I came to Pikeville College, you know, out of high school and um, I came into Pikeville scared to death. I actually turned around and left my dorm my first day I got here, didn't move my stuff in and, uh, and eventually came back from for orientation and met my roommate and ended up moving in and uh, spent two years there. And uh, <laughs> I met my wife and we transferred to Moorhead State and I graduated from there and then ended up, uh, my wife was and is from uh, from Pike County. She's, she's from Pike, well, she went to Pike County Central. So we moved back here and uh, I had an undergrad in paralegal studies and government Thought I was going to go to law school. Also did a music major for a little while, played music. Ended up not going to law school and started my MBA after college and started working at a little guitar store here in Pikeville that, that I taught lessons at while I was in college. I started as a bookkeeper. That was my first job. We, I worked there four years and um, were able to put it online and start selling on eBay and doing some different things and grew it. After we both left, we ended up going together and putting in Mountain Music Exchange, which is uh, one of the stores I'm still a partner of. Um, and then I got into economic belt and I mean, my, just, I've been all over the place. <laughs> I wanted to ask about that, the economic development piece. You know, I, I, I mentioned earlier that it's almost impossible to separate church from state when, right. when you think about your, your beliefs. I, f I failed to mention in the intro that you also were the founding executive director of SOAR or shaping yeah. our Appalachian region, which I think you coined the term faith and grit yeah. <laughs> during your time there. You also, I've seen a Bible verse, Ephesians 2.10, that mm -hmm. you have quoted for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. I think you kind of go about your work in that regard. D did your faith kind of influence your economic and community development work? And do you believe that church should extend outside the walls? Yeah, I think um, probably in a different way than our culture is used to. And really, I came to this understanding while I was at SOAR because felt deeply called into, I mean, that was a mission for me. I felt like I was a, a mission field. 
I think most people think of the mission field as being strictly, you know, you're proselytizing, you're trying to convert people into Christianity, where I feel that every believer is created to do good things that God prepared in advance to do just to make the world a better place. And so in that way, I feel like every Christian is in full-time ministry, whether you're a coach, whether you're doing economic development, a teacher, a nurse, any of those things. Like You don't have to talk about Jesus, just living out the character traits that are part of the, the Christian walk is uh, is a witness, is, um, is doing ministry and doing good things. So for sure, I felt like I struggled with it for a bit because I was also pastoring while I was at SOAR, this young church plant. And I felt like those were separate. And then I came to Ephesians 2.10 and went, wait, this is like all together. Like you don't have to be preaching to be doing ministry. And so that's why we started Faith Life Ministries where, you know, this this idea that we want to inspire and equip every believer to live out their faith. Like, don't feel bad that you're out there being a great coach. Go be the best coach. <laughs> you know, that's the best thing you can do. So that's kind of the 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 approach that I took. And um you know, God put me in that season and, you know, I did the best I could to make a difference and impact and cast vision and do all the things we were trying to do to hopefully uh, things were better than the way we found it. And um, and to build something sustainable, that keeps going and keeps making a difference and doing good things. I wanted to ask about church planning and specifically together for the mountains. But there was a recent Pew Research, some data from that that mentioned that Three in 10 adults are religiously unaffiliated to date. Also, yeah. it mentioned that in regards to religion being very important, there's been a shift in the last 15 years, 56% down to 41%, while people that thought it not at all important has risen from 16 to 33. Church attendance has also declined. I saw an estimate that 20 churches close their doors every day in, yeah. in the U.S., so in regards to church planning, some people might not know what that is. Can you just right. describe what that is, the significance, the importance of it for, for you? And why do you think the faith or religion has shifted in regards to that research? I think church planning is a biblical concept. For one, the whole idea of church and Christianity is that it's a multiplying faith. That it's, you know, as long as your mindset is, hey, we're going to be a church of these 40 people. And, you know, we're just going to have church until we we die. Maybe we have kids and they come to church here. <laughs> you know, that was never the mindset of the early church. It was very much a discipleship, leadership creating. Great. I've pastored here for eight years. You've been here for, for five years. I think you're ready to take on a small group. You need to be teaching another group. And so they would send and they would move different directions. They'd go to new towns, new neighborhoods. And so this idea of this active multiplying thing is really in contrast to the church culture I grew up in, in where you only started a new church if you got mad at the people that you were in the church, the other church with. And, you know, you took 20 and you all went started having your own church without a mission really to evangelize or reach the community. And um, and I think a big part of the reason churches are dying is because uh, it's a tendency for a church to start looking inward and just looking at yourself and seeing it as a Sunday morning uh, activity. Whereas, you know, Hebrews 13 says Jesus went outside the camp to those and were invited to go with him outside the camp, outside of religion, outside of the, the tradition, outside of the building and make a difference in the lives of people who are the least of these, as he would say. 
And uh, so I think when you get off mission and it feels like church is just about, you know, me trying to do the right thing, that's not really the gospel or the foundational thing. So when you get off that, obviously it's, it's just gonna, it's gonna start to, to wither. And uh, I don't believe the church, capital C church is dying but I think the way that some of the, some of these other churches, um, and I've been a part of dying churches, and it's no fun. <laughs> Maybe that gets us to together for the mountains, which is somewhat of a church planning process. I think sustainability is also obviously important in church planning. But what is together for the mountains, and why why did you start it? So together for the mountains was really a uh, co-created thing with Southland Christian Church, where um, you know they're they're a large church in uh, in the Lexington area um, and have multi sites. They have five sites. They had at one point announced they were going to add a new location, uh, a campus in Pikeville. This was before COVID. And and through COVID and through just really some things changing, they changed their heart about that and decided to support, to have a vision to be a catalyst for a church planning movement across Kentucky. They felt like God put Pikeville in Eastern Kentucky on their heart uh, as a place to kind of start that. And so I got introduced to them after I, after I left SOAR, the month afterwards, you know, they said, hey, we'd like to support, we'd like to do church plantings across eastern Kentucky and just be involved in uh, doing some of that work. And somebody said, you've planted a church, or you're also an entrepreneur, you've also been around the region. like." And so we met and it was just, um, I had no idea that was coming until after, after I left. Through that process, they came up with the idea of, hey, let's call this together for the mountains. And so church planning is a component of it for me, but more than that is building a community of like-minded churches and nonprofits who see the value of serving outside of the walls of the church. How do we literally transform this region? And that's another, another differentiation for me. There's been a lot of church kind of short-term mission work in the mountains where we're going to go and feed people or, you know, build a ramp. With yeah. the kind of mindset that these people are always going to be poor. And this initiative for me is believing like we don't always have to be that way. God could literally transform this place and it wouldn't be the Appalachia we think of when we say Appalachia. And that he could do that if the church would just understand the role. And uh, even as an entrepreneur, if you're a, a believer, you like the best thing you could do for Appalachia is start the next company, actually, yeah. not teach Sunday school. <laughs> yeah, you know speaking, what I mean. Yeah, you know. Speaking of entrepreneurs, you went through the REIT MIT yeah. REIT program. Yeah, you also were, were part of establishing the entrepreneurial ecosystem through SOAR uh, yeah. in Eastern Kentucky. But I also see church planners as entrepreneurs. It is a hundred percent. Do they see themselves as entrepreneurs? Yeah, they. I think they do. And um, and but you got overlap that. there. For sure. You know, starting our church, we're eight years old. There's a lot of similarities. There's, I mean, there's the difficulty of starting something from scratch and getting the team together. And, and you can become, you can become business minded. We got a vision, we got a logo and branding and all this stuff. It's been a lesson for me to step out of some of that and trust God more than me trying to build, like I could build it. I could build a team and build a thing that had a brand and all the without the foundation of what I think really makes the church impactful and different that changes people's hearts. 
uh, I can't do that. A brand can't do that. Only the gospel and the truth that's in the scripture that can, can do that. So with that kind of as a building block, for sure, as you're as we're looking, we got three church plants now in eastern Kentucky. And yeah, it's the, the traits. The, you got to be able to do a little bit of everything. You're going to do this. Also, together from the mountains, you got a summit coming up, right? Yeah, we get, yeah, we, um, so we get all, we got about 50 partners now, nonprofits and churches. And when I look around, you, you see these institutions been here a long time from Redbird Mission, Christian Appalachian Project, and, um, you know, Mountain Mission School over in Virginia. Uh, and really, if, if you look at Pikeville, and this is what I try to tell people, like there's two things that make Pikeville transformational in the, in the way that it is as the hospital and the university the university was started by presbytery missionaries over a hundred years ago like we can look at the med school and all the things but literally god breathed that place into existence it, the hospital three thousand employees was started by the methodist church like literally the church serving outside the walls and saying we need a hospital here and so now we tend to reflect, we forget the origins of those places and the church isn't thinking now, man, what do we need out in the community that we could just start that would help that isn't about us? And so just kind of being reminded of those things and, and bringing the institutions that are still trying to do that and giving them some friends and encouragement and a network to really just cheer each other on, share ideas, and hopefully very similar to the work we did at SOAR. Hopefully new things come out of that, whether it's churches, ministries, partnerships, mindsets, attitudes in their own community, all those kind of things. Do you think it's easier in, in smaller, more rural communities than, than larger urban areas to church plant? Just just maybe easier is not, not a, the best word, but just because of the connections that you have in, in smaller communities. Oh, man, I don't know, because it's sometimes it can be a hurdle because everybody around like all the me a lot of the other churches like that's crazy like we can't get enough in our own church why would we need another one <laughs> which is not the kingdom mindset of the scripture right like like we're not starting the church take your people if the research in pike county says one out of 11 people go to church in the bible belt if i go to walmart I mean, 11 people, one of them would say, I go to church regularly. And so when we understand church planning is about interacting with those other 10 and giving them a place that can build curiosity of say, what are y'all doing? Like, why are you putting in a coffee shop in town? Why are you managing the boxing gym? And and begin just a, a conversation when you talk about reaching those 10 instead of the one. I think that's where you have to take the conversation back to. And also, I mean, new churches improve existing churches because a new church starts from scratch and thinks they don't start with any kind of the traditions or any of the things that you have to do because that's what we've always done. So you can really focus on what a church is supposed to be. And so other churches see that and they remember it's like, oh, yeah, we should probably do things like <laughs> And so it's kind of like, not competition, but it's just like in anything, it makes everybody start thinking about how they operate and how they're doing ministry. Yeah, I think that's a obviously a big mis, misconception, too, that 10% go to church and, and right. people outside the region would never. You never it. think that. But And it's real. We just moved into Pikeville six months ago, and I could go to the 10 houses around me, and maybe maybe two of them you know, would, would be 
church attenders. And I live in the heart of it, and I I have a hard time believing it. I know, but yeah. we also run and we tend to run in circles of people who are like us. That's true. That's true. You know yeah. what I mean. And so, yeah. uh, when you step outside of that, you, it's pretty surprising. And the perspectives yeah. people have about Jesus, you know, they've heard one things and experienced totally different things from the church. And so, this work really is. Uh, is more difficult, I feel like, than if you went into a completely unchurched region where they'd never heard about Jesus. You know, I've been firing off some questions, but maybe I could ask you a couple quick fire questions just to get to know Jared a little bit. Yeah, sure. Uh, what's your favorite? We, we like to promote the region. Well, me, Neil and I refer to it as gassing up Appalachia. Uh, we like to do it on this show. But what's your favorite place in Appalachia? Favorite place? I got to say where I'm at. Like, I feel so called to this place. And if I was going to live one place, this is where it would be. And, you know, I didn't grow up here. I didn't know there was a downtown Pikeville until I was a senior in high school. I thought Pikeville was where JCPenney is because that's where we went Christmas shopping. And uh, and so just um, for me as an entrepreneur, I see the things here, the university, the hospital, like, if we can do something transformational from a kind of innovative entrepreneurship perspective, I feel like this is the place we can do it. I love that. And uh, as someone who probably would have left the region altogether, you know, from an hour away, Pikeville became a place for me to land. So I see that for the next generation and the people that are graduating now, like it's not Lexington or it's not New York. It's, but to be in the region, you can get a little bit of that feel. And so God's planning me here, and I, I have to say Bible. Nice answer. It's always hard to get through rapid-fire questions with pastors. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yes, yep. Another question. What's your favorite restaurant or establishment in Appalachia? Do you have a favorite? Oh, gosh, that one's tough. I mean, here we eat at El Poncho, the Mexican place. Like, that's the, the go-to. Perfect. That's Take our go-to. Mexican. No. So I mentioned that you never had a job that didn't exist before you have it, but what's your favorite job that you've had? You know, I've adjunct a couple of times and taught some entrepreneurial classes at UPIC. That's probably like, I really enjoy that. Getting to pour back into to a little bit and get them dreaming. What's your purpose for work? Maybe that's not a quick answer, but <laughs> maybe in a couple of sentences. This is it. Inspire and equip people to live out their faith. I got to ask this cornbread or biscuits? Yeah. cornbread probably no. butter, with a lot of with butter just melting on it <laughs> Corn, cornbread in your pinto beans and oh yeah. yeah 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 some soup beans yeah last rapid fire what's the future for appalachia future for eastern kentucky yeah i think for me it's it, it's the intersection of the people of faith so the church and community and economic development. I think for me, that's going to be the story of like God working through the church to do the things that a president in the last 50 years couldn't do. What's the first thing that comes to mind when you hear the word Appalachia? That's a funny question. I spoke at this leadership conference once here in Pikeville for the seniors of uh, the county schools. And uh, I put that, I put the mountains up on the screen, put the word Appalachia. I said, what do y'all think of when you see this word? And they all said cell phones <laughs> because of Appalachian Wireless, <laughs> the company that's here. They, everybody immediately said cell phones. 
And so I'll say that cell phones. <laughs> nice, nice, nice answer. I, I love it. And we, that's the first time we've heard that. Uh, <laughs> another question we ask everybody, I think you kind of alluded to it, but what, uh, just where do you call home? What makes it home for you? What makes it unique? Oh, yeah, I'd say, um, you know, we lived 20 minutes outside of Pikeville for the last 15 years and we moved into town. Yeah, I think just home is where your family is. We left a house we've been in 15 years that we thought would always be home. That's really through our questions, but we want to thank you for being on the episode. Uh, I, I want to give you a chance to maybe mention the Together for the Mountains website or, or your church website or mention when the uh, conference is uh, for the listeners. Yeah, togetherforthemountains.com. Um, you can go find summit information there. You can see last year's summit. It's going to be something we're doing every year. If you're, if you're a church or a nonprofit or entrepreneur and you say, Hey, I'd like to be a part of that network. There's a way you can, you can join on there. We'd love to have you come be a part of the summit or just go to your place, go to your town and make a difference. That's what it's all about. That's a good ending. We, uh, again, appreciate your time and and thanks again for the not only being on the episode but the work you're doing there impactful work you're doing regionally and work you will continue i'm sure to do thanks man stuff there from Jared and I'm happy and obliged to, to talk about uh, religion and, and what he's doing in, in Appalachia. You know, last week we talked about religion and politics. This week we dive back into religion in Appalachia and, you know, for all our listeners out there, you know, the three things you're not supposed to talk about, religion, politics, and sex. I mean, I don't know what next week's show is, but man, you might want to warn me if we're going to, if we're going to a new level. I think, I think we'll keep, I think we'll keep it as a religion and politics. <laughs> okay, okay, Which, sounds good to me. You might have to have a different guest on if you venture down that other path. Yeah. You know, I appreciate what Jared spoke about, and also, you know, we we recorded this before this week, so he mentioned together for the Mountain Summit that was going to take place. It actually took place this week on October 11th, like we mentioned in the episode. And you can check their website out, togetherforthemountains.com, to find out all that happened during the summit, all the people that got together, that spoke at the summit, to really bring, not only to talk about replanting of faith, replanting of churches with throughout eastern Kentucky, throughout the mountains, but also of how we can get outside the walls uh, of the church and, and spread the gospel through our work spread the gospel through entrepreneurship, which was a large part of the summit as well. Uh, we couldn't have said it better than, than, than what Jared described in the episode. And I want to thank him again for, for coming on and being a part of this. And hopefully we can revisit with him in the future and, and hear more about all the successes that they're having in Pikeville, Kentucky. Yeah, I wanted to ask you, he mentioned something at the beginning of the episode about a lot of people in the region struggle with the fact that they kind of feel like they didn't choose their faith, that their faith was just there and they kind of landed into it because it's so apparent within the region. What do you think about that? Did you ever feel like you chose your particular faith 
or that it was, I guess, for lack of a better term, chosen for you? Well, it's a good point. Well, I think early on, definitely for both of us, we could say that it was chosen for us, uh, much like many things that your parents lead you to. But as I got older and did some discovering on my own, I, I would not necessarily agree with that. So uh, I think it's with any child, maybe it doesn't happen in other areas of the world or, or areas of the country, but certainly in Appalachia, I feel like that that probably is something that in most cases is chosen for you at an early age. What do you think? You know, the way we grew up in the Bible Belt, of how we grew up. It was definitely chosen for me, but I think questions are a good thing. I think as both of us got older, we started to question a lot of things, especially when, you know, I moved away from the region. I kind of not questioned faith, not questioned growing up with faith, but just had questions about it. And those questions actually guided me back to the faith that I grew up with. You know, you know, when you start to answer those questions, you start to better understand other faiths, other religion, the diversity within Appalachia, that there other are other faiths, other religions there. And, you know, you can make your own decisions at that point of what uh, you feel is appropriate or what you feel is right for, for you. So I appreciate that point that he made, how it is in the Appalachia region, which is kind of the point of the last two episodes of faith and religion in Appalachia. Yeah, certainly. For sure. I've enjoyed it, my man. Do you have a business of the week for us, Will? I do, just in unison with Together for the Mountains of what Jared was talking about. You know, he was talking about it's important for churches to think beyond their walls that they can do just as good in the community. Like like he said in the episode, which really kind of took me aback when he said the best thing for the region is to start a business. It's not teaching Sunday school. So it's just that point of getting outside the walls of your church, but really whatever you're doing, doing it the best you can in the light of your own faith or religion. So to that point, I just wanted to make the at biz of the week, the Crea company in Bluefield, West Virginia, that C-R-E-A company. They have a Facebook page. We'll post it on the website. But there was this pastor, Pentecostal pastor in West Virginia, Travis Lowe, and another local pastor, Robbie Gaines. They just had the idea to open a makerspace in Bluefield, West Virginia, because they saw the need to create jobs in that area of West Virginia. And so this makerspace was set up. You can buy a membership, but it has everything from 3D printing to graphic design, all kinds of companies, laser cutters, sewing machines, vinyl cutters, many of which were donated by church members when they first set it up. So it's just a, another example of thinking outside the church, thinking beyond the walls and how you can not only uh, accomplish great things within your community through the church, but going outside the walls and just spreading your own interests, but also with that faith foundation. So I wanted to mention the Korea company, make it the app biz of the week in Bluefield, West Virginia. Love it. Well said, my man. I think that's an excellent, excellent way to, to end this episode, Will. I would have to agree. So I guess we can end it like we usually do. Till next time. Peace. I'm getting lighter 
hair's getting thin Now I'm facing down with a grin I've been in the city too long Sidewalks and buildings and singing sad songs Now I'm back up where I belong In the mountains